Welcome, everybody, to Colonial Connections. This is a podcast designed by and for the School of Nursing, Education, and Human Studies at Robert Morris University, and I'm your host, Dr. Mark Myers. As we've gotten this podcast up and running, we begin to see the number of connections that are made from Robert Morris University and our school, but these connections go into a lot of different places, whether they're advanced degrees, online programs, leadership, or service to the community. All of these things have been demonstrated in our conversations on this podcast. Our guests today take this into an even more and exciting direction, I believe, and I hope you all will agree with me. And I'll ask um, Dr. Cameron to introduce herself as we get our guest on board today. Dr. Cameron? Hello, thank you for having me. So, my name is Dr. Jessica Cameron. I am the department head of nursing at Robert Morris University. I'm also one of the faculty members within the department as well. I teach in a variety of courses within the programs that we have, so in our traditional undergraduate BSN program, as well as our master's in nursing education and our master's in nursing leadership. Um, And we also offer our doctor of nursing practice degree as well. Um, I'm excited to talk to you today about one of the initiatives that I've been working with a partner and one of our nursing faculty members, Dr. Gimond on, with the our organization that we help in the country of Uganda, which is located in Africa. Um, I am by trade as a nurse, a NICU nurse, meaning neonatal intensive care. I have a passion for caring for premature babies. I have been working in caring for premature babies since 2005. I'm a certified NICU nurse as well. And I also help with advanced labor and delivery, high risk OB cases as well, because they often transition to NICU cases. Um, With that being said, I also had a passion for many years to do mission work or international nursing to provide transcultural care to mothers. Um, And one of the ways I found to do that was a few years ago when I traveled with a mission group to Uganda to care for pregnant women and provide healthcare services to them in that country. Well, you stole one of my questions, which is great, was that where did this connection come? And that's that's right. Now, the two of you, you and Dr. Gimon, that, that work on the program, you work with students as well as a part of this. Is that not correct? That's correct. So for this program, what we've developed over the last few years um, is that we identified whenever I went over for mission work, a group of mothers in the NICU who needed to have support in the way of education, both prenatal and how to care for a preemie baby, um, some of the causes related to having a premature baby, um, because in their culture, it's not uncommon for them to believe that babies born early are a cause of being um, scorn for witchcraft or that the babies are because the mother did something wrong. So providing education and support to them. Um, So whenever COVID hit, the problem was is that all of our borders shut down. We were no longer allowed to travel, but you know, your heart still goes out to these women and these babies who needed to have support and help. So we came up with the idea to work with our BSN students in the pre-licensure programs are students who are working to become RNs in their obstetrics course to offer remote, live, synchronous education to these women. So we partnered with the agency in Uganda called Mama Tolia, and they partner with NICU mothers and pregnant women in Uganda to provide instruction on prenatal care, um, how to take care of yourself if you're pregnant, 
um, breastfeeding, a variety of different prenatal topics, as well as NICU care to the mothers in Uganda. So Dr. Gimon and I, what we do is we were partnering with students who are in the OB class, which she is the lead instructor on, and we would mentor them through developing education on these topics that these mothers desperately needed, but also providing them with their own professional development on how to create culturally competent modules for them um, so that they met the needs of what resources they have in that country um, as well as address the needs that they needed for education in a way that was culturally appropriate to them. And then whenever we delivered them, we used the Google Meets platform and we delivered the education synchronously. The students gave the lesson and we were there to provide support and help with question and answers as well. And the Mama Tulia was wonderful in that they gathered the mothers in a safe place for them to be able to participate, as well as provided a translator that the students had the opportunity to work with as well. So can you give an example of some of the lessons or some of the ideas that the students are teaching these mothers and the what they're helping them process? Sure. So, for instance, one of the first sessions we did for the mothers was for mothers who had had premature babies or who were pregnant and were identified as being at risk for having, potentially having a premature baby. And part of that opening lesson was building a relationship or rapport with them. So providing with them the information about our purpose and why we're there, as well as helping them to learn about their causes and risks for premature birth in relation to how their medical reasons and often reasons that are not the fault of the mother or not the fault of witchcraft or being cursed and that these children do have the opportunity to be cared for and to grow up normally. And then whenever they were pregnant, things that they should watch for during their pregnancy, that if they happen, they would be at higher risk for delivering early and they should get medical care. So red flags, for instance, if they're pregnant, when they should get to a medical provider, a clinic or a midwife is often used in their country so that they could get care to try and prevent a preterm birth from happening. So really you're building a rapport between the students and the mothers so that they trust them enough to listen to their advice and the processes and such? Yes, and their message. Um, And also it helps with them to be able to understand the education that's coming as well from the students. When they're working with the with the mothers is from the students, what are the students gaining from this process as they go through this? Obviously, they're in a class and they're learning items and this allows them to practice some of the things that they're learning from their course. But what's the other benefits the students are gaining from being a part of this program? The students have been gaining a lot of experience in the development of providing patient education, which is something that we really try and have them practice whenever they're here in the States. But one of the elements that they don't often get the opportunity to do is provide education to people of different cultures. Sometimes they might care for patients who are from a different country or from a different culture than their own. The the majority of their patients are very similar to themselves. And there's a different type of element or approach to whenever you're providing patient education. And some of that is an understanding and building that rapport with them. 
where if they're from a different culture, you want to make sure that the education you're giving is well received as well as meets their needs with what resources they have, as well as is understanding of the culture that they're trying to adapt the education to. Another experience that the students have enjoyed is getting to interact with these mothers and learn from them about their experiences and what kind of things they have available to them as well as life experiences that they have in their country. So they also get to learn about the country and the people through live interaction with them, which has been valuable to them. And I imagine they get exposed to some other issues and other medical conditions that might not be as readily available for them to study in uh, the, the Pittsburgh area, for example? Very true. Yes. So for instance, we're, we're actually doing a session with the Uganda mothers tomorrow. Um, and while everybody has on their mind COVID, we are going to talk about ways to prevent infection. And that, of course, will be one of the ones that we share about because the whole world is experiencing that in the pandemic. Some of the other infections that they're going to speak to the mothers about that aren't really prevalent in our country, but they had to learn and research about are things like malaria or pertussis. Now we see few cases of pertussis in the U.S., but it's pretty rare for them to interact or have patients who have those conditions. Um, And then there's also a very rare instance of malaria in the United States. There's also a higher incidence of mothers in Uganda that they've had to learn about who are HIV positive than they may see here in the States as well. And the resources they have for all of those diseases um, are not always the same as what we have here in the U.S. So learning about how they're managed and what access they have to health care and resources in that country has also been very helpful for them, too. And I can imagine that for the students, the researching a real issue, a real problem for people that they'll get to meet and speak with is very different than just reading about something in a textbook. Yes, so it really puts it into a live context for them where they get to interact. And then they also have access to our um, collaborators in Uganda to answer real-time questions, too, that they might have regarding it. Now, is this the same group of students working with the mothers and, and Mama Tulia, that the, the, each session is the same group of students, or do, is it a different group of students doing different issues and rotating through? So they've been different groups of students who are rotating through. Um, some of them have participated more than once. We do welcome for them to come back and do it again if they've enjoyed the experience. And some of them, due to their scheduling and for the courses that they're in, haven't been able to join more than once. But we do have a different students each time. So the group interaction changes a little bit. And sometimes they get opportunities to step up and work on different roles that maybe they didn't get to the first time. Or they also have been doing a really great job of helping to mentor each other um, for the new ones who joined the group, maybe who didn't get to participate yet as well. What's the most surprising thing you have seen develop either from the students or from the mothers that you've been working with? So I'd say one of the most pleasantly surprising things that we've noticed from the students and from this experience has been their creativity um, and developing different resources from handouts and education to their delivery of education methods through demonstration or teaching. Um, They really have risen to the challenge. Instead of 
feeling like they don't have enough to offer, they've really stepped up to the plate and been able to adapt, especially whenever we've given them the information regarding the resources these women have. For instance, whenever a, a woman is in Uganda, their average income is $1.40 a day. That translates to about 510 gross a year, U.S. dollars. And then we talk with the students, what does that mean whenever we're talking about their access to food, to clean water, to medical care, um, and what it means for them to be able to then adapt what they advise these mothers to do based on the resources they have. Instead of getting frustrated and just seeing it as a challenge, they've really taken that as something that is a calling to them to be able to create plans and recommendations for them that fit within the resources that they have accessibility to. And it's been really great to see their examples. Um, for instance, we did one of our first sessions about skin to skin care, the importance of keeping preemie babies warm by keeping them directly against the parent's skin. Um, and in that culture, it's very common for women to wear large pieces of cloth or sarong and wrap their dresses in them. So one of the students, whenever we talked about doing skin to skin care, she used that as a way to look up and find methods of using these pieces of cloth that are typically part of their dress to be able to create baby carriers, to be able to facilitate skin to skin care for these mothers. What a fabulous example. And uh, Dr. Gamon has joined us. And I wanted to ask you, well, we've been talking about the students and the interaction with the uh, Ugandan partners. I wanted to know from your perspective as a faculty member, how has this changed or modified how you approach the course as the course leader? I think it helps me to be able to provide a really solid experience where we don't just talk about cultural understanding, we get an opportunity to actually apply what we're learning and to chime in to what Jess was saying, um, particularly around the student creativity, speaking to, to that particular student um, who developed uh, the lesson for tying the sarong, that's not something that we necessarily would do here with our moms. So she was able not only to create that lesson, but she also made a video for them uh, so that they could see a step-by-step. -step. And that's not something she necessarily would have been familiar with had we just gone through the course. Although skin-to-skin -skin care is something that we do here in Western culture, we wouldn't apply it in the same way. So that's one really concrete um, sort of example of doing that. But also students, I was just having the discussion and prepping them yesterday, they do rise to the occasion. I totally agree with that, but they require um, a, a little bit better understanding, and this gives me an opportunity to help them understand what looks and feels different. So, you know, we have to think about using examples, images that look like the people that we're talking to, instead of using examples that look like the, the um, you know, the white women that we are. 
So I think um, looking at who you're speaking with, developing teaching tools that um, help to speak to your audience in a way that represents their culture rather than your culture, thinking outside your own experience has given me a really um, specific way of measuring that cultural competency that we always like to say that we're providing to our students. So um, I really feel like as a course and a course leader and the person who puts the lessons together, I now have something that's very concrete. Um, so I and think that's the biggest way. It sounds like such a great example of you modeling your own growth for the students as well as they are developing their own points of view and appreciation of different cultures that they might take in entirely different directions in their careers. They might not work with this particular culture again, but there's going to be different cultures they work with throughout their careers, and you're modeling that for them as a part of their course development. That's amazing. That I, I hope that they are getting that. I really do feel like they appreciate that. Um, in conversations with um, students as they go through the program, because you know that's not the last course in the program, but in conversations as we're moving along, um, they, they are able to reflect on it and provide um, more introspection, I think, about you know, how they can sort of think outside their own culture. So I'm going to ask you both a loaded question. So uh, what's next for this? What would you like to do as the dream to expand this to have even more impact? Well, I think that one of our goals is to really continue to have this partnership and see where we're able to take it. Um, we do want to, of course, keep offering these virtual sessions. Someday it might be wonderful whenever borders are open again and travel is available to be able to have more experience on the ground in that country. That may or may not happen, but in the meantime, I think the students and the women who they're interacting with are having a huge benefit from the program so far. Um, it would be very interesting to start trying to really try and evaluate that piece of what are the students getting in regards of their ability to grow their cultural competency and caring for patients of other cultures as well. Um, now, we talk about it, and they do mention that they do, but really is looking at that through a lens of building that into a purposeful development in their career set as they prepare to become nurses in the next year or so after this course and how that will translate into their practice, I think will be exciting to see. Betsy, how about yourself? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think um, one of the things that I would like to see happen um, and um, is, is to make uh, activities like this um, use it as a blueprint, um, use it, we use it as a blueprint, uh, try to engage more students, um, and certainly maybe try to evaluate what the overall um, effect is on, um, you know, their, um, their understanding and appreciation and how they might um, actually operationalize um, working with cultures different from their own. And I feel like um, this has been 
a really wonderful experience. Again, I would like to see more done. Uh, I do have, we have um, Genesis House too, that um, is, is something that we do um, in, in the course, which is similar, but it's here in the, the region. Um, but, you know, if, if we could standardize and, and measure, I think it would be really helpful to be able to, to, be, to evaluate those outcomes um, and get that down on paper because I think that being able to offer classes that cross borders in a way uh, that that it, that minimizes um, risk, particularly now, but also that allows us to provide consistent and ongoing education would be amazing to be able to to sort of put this into something that's um, reoccurring and sustainable. Uh, the risk to reward return on this investment is absolutely amazing, but I, I can't even imagine what it is. I do have a question from the peanut gallery here that wants to know that do the students get to see the babies after the expected mothers give birth? Is there still an interaction after the classes are over and such? So the mothers who come to that come to the programs are usually consistently visiting Mama Tolia as an organization that provides support for them in more programs than just um, while they're pregnant. Now, I think that our mothers who have participated so far, we haven't seen their babies just yet. Um, we are hoping that whenever we go live on Friday, that some of the mothers that we may have seen last spring when we last did the sessions live with the mothers will be there with their babies and then that would be the first opportunity that they would be able to see some of these mothers post delivery um, it's not uncommon when the mothers participate in the education sessions even before you know when we first started them last spring and last year to bring their children with them so I believe that we probably will be seeing some of those babies from those moms who were pregnant during the sessions last year. It's just we did not see them through the summer. And the last session we did with Mama Tolia last week was just a panel discussion with experts. So they, we didn't see the mothers. It was just the panelists who were involved. But tomorrow, whenever we do the session, it will be directly with the mothers again. So we're hoping to have that opportunity. And I think it will be really special for the students who are participating again from last year. They do get to see them. Oh, that would be amazing. And so at, for our loyal listeners, we'll make sure we update them on our next podcast, whether or not they actually got to see it since that, they asked that question. I want to thank both of you for joining me today. And I wanted to ask you one final question, if you don't mind. As you are putting together this course and these connections with the students, what's the thing with the students that they're telling you that they'd like us to do more of in terms of connections with other outside entities? Or is there something that they are really asking for us to do more? You know, students always want to have opportunities to do. So anytime there is an opportunity, and when I say to do, I mean to actually live interact, not simulate or um, just talk about it in the classroom. So they're always asking for more opportunities to be able to be up close and um, personal. Um, and so that's the kind of thing I think um, that students ask about, you know, they want to be there. So, um, you know, 
not necessarily going to Uganda, because, but they like this experience meeting that need. But I mean, in terms of additional opportunities, they just want to be able to do more things. Um, I think they would be, you know, tickled pink if we were sort of out in clinical all the time and just came back in. Right. <laughs> Live in the reality of the profession instead of in the theory in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Dr. Cameron, did you want to yeah. add something else? Yeah, sure. So, and a few of the students who have had <clears throat> access to these programs um, have mentioned that it's really sparked their interest in what kinds of healthcare resources and um, therapies are available whenever we're not talking traditional medicine. So, they have had an interest that seems to be growing for some of them who are really getting into this transcultural kind of realm of nursing practice and healthcare to learn more about complementary therapies or alternative therapies that are more common in some of these other cultures um, that, you know, are actually gaining more ground in the U.S. too, so that as they develop and grow in their nursing practice, and if they go out in the practice, they will be able to understand some of these alternative forms of treatment that people use and whether they're safe to use and whether they are valid to use. So, you know, things like whether they're taking herbal medications or plant-based therapies and what that means in terms of their care. Um, Things like if they want to do different types of therapies like meditation, prayer or chiropractic and what that means in terms of culture and care and integrative um, support for people's health care too. So a few of them have had interest in that. After we talk about some of the different things culturally people may be using in these countries to be aware of whenever they're providing education too is kind of a next step of where their interests may go. That's terrific because it really demonstrates to them that just because it's different doesn't mean that it's bad. And, you know, and the lessons that you're providing them are just absolutely amazing. Thank you both for for joining us today for Colonial Connections. Best of luck with, it sounds like, tomorrow when you're starting the next uh, training process. And we want to thank our listeners for joining us. This has been Colonial Connections. Just a reminder to everyone, the School of Nursing, Education, and Human Studies is focused on blurring the lines that seem to separate us in our community areas. And today you've heard a terrific example of where we're moving the professions forward and we're looking forward to our next episode and we'll bring you another example of our Colonial Connections. Thank you, John, for being the producer today and I hope everyone has a terrific day. <laughs>